This past week, we had the honor to host almost 100 teachers and students from a few surrounding schools. Even as far as Moxville, we had teachers come for a back-to-school preparation event. We provided teachers with supplies and a few other goodies, and they even had a raffle for some great items. To the students, we were able to supply a starter pack of school supplies, as well as for many of the elementary students, a box of clothes to get the school year off to a new start. Uh, we cannot thank you as a church. We can't thank you enough for your generosity, your volunteering, your prayers, your donations, uh, the donations of area businesses uh, with restaurants and gift cards and kid box for supplying the clothing. Each day was a tremendous opportunity to shape our community by sharing the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you to those who volunteered and spent their time with us this week. Again, I want to remind you, as we're walking through a few announcements, I do want to remind you of August 4th, this coming Wednesday, we will have a business meeting at 6.30 p.m. to discuss our 2021-22 nominating committee report, which gives you as a church the opportunity to know who is serving in many of the roles each week at Rich Fork. August 4th, we will also discuss the items about the nominating committee report, as well as our bylaws and articles of incorporation. We will then vote on those without discussion in all of our services on August 15th, on Sunday, August 15th. Two important dates, August 4th and the 15th. You also have experienced or have seen some leadership changes since introducing our new bylaws to our church in June. We have also had a leadership change in our student ministry as we begin the search for our next student pastor, Nick Byerly, a long-term, uh, long-time member of Rich Fork has agreed to serve as an interim for this role and this ministry. Nick has literally been at Rich Fork his entire life. Uh, he has served as a deacon, a preschool leader, an Awana volunteer, and most recently served alongside his wife, Rebecca, as two of our student volunteers for our recently graduated 12th grade class. We are thankful for his willingness to step into and serve our church and community in this way as we begin the search for a permanent uh, student pastor in that role. Our one upcoming date for all of you as families regarded to students, but also children, all families are invited. You've got preschoolers, grade school, children above, students. Uh, bottom line, anyone who wants to can attend a family fun day. Uh, that event will take place on August 14th at the Mount Shepherd Retreat Center, almost in Asheboro. It's a family fun day from 1 to 4 p.m. on the 14th. Uh, you can bring your family. Uh, you can go canoeing, swimming, uh, lake uh, zip lining, gaga ball. Uh, there's a ball field there. There's a hike that you can take to the fire tower. You can go fishing. Uh, but one important note. This is not a uh, pull onto the property and drop your children off for us. This is not a drop off event. It's a family fun day. So bring the kids, come out, stay with them from one to four on August 14th. We do have a maximum number for that event of 250 people. You can sign up on richfork.com under the events section uh, for you and your family. Thanks for sticking with me as I share all those announcements with you today. Again, for those of you who are with us online, as always, we want to encourage you uh, when you are ready, when you're prepared to step back into the room at Rich Fork for worship um, and reconnect with those that you love and care about um, in a personal way. But we'll be here waiting for you when you're ready. Let's pray.
God, thank you for these opportunities uh, that we have the opportunity to share. Thank you for us uh, being a part of our community this week in some unique ways with our teachers and our students. And God, guide us as we uh, walk again into the stories of redemption. Um, God, uh, just give me the, the wisdom, give uh, all the preparation, all the technical aspects to go smoothly, God, so that we can share your word in a way that will apply to our lives and leave us changed uh, for our daily lives. So thank you, God, for the opportunity we have once again uh, online this week. In Jesus' name, amen. The past week and a half, uh, I've had more than my fair share of what I would like to call moments of the flesh pride, a little fatigue, stress, and some confusion crept into some moments for me. And at other times, those, those emotions, they didn't creep into my actions and comments. They leapt into them. But the more I talked with a few men in our church that I'd asked to pray for me uh, through these struggles, the more I realized that I was not the only person feeling the tension and the strains that are taking place in our world. Even filming this sermon on a Thursday means that the world might look and feel different by the time you watch it on Saturday or Sunday or beyond. Unfortunately, the conversations of the week have been marred by, once again, COVID conversations, vaccination requirements, sicknesses in the lives of people in your lives, um, as well as conversations for me uh, that hold a thousand viewpoints on those and many other subjects. In fact, one day I was sitting eating lunch um, at our local restaurant this week and three of the conversations around me, yes, I was listening to them. They were close by. One was discussing COVID, one was discussing mask, and one not far behind was discussing the mental health of Simone Biles. All of those conversations felt heavy. They, they felt weighty. So today's message has been cultivated out of those conversations and out of that heaviness and out of prayer for our community, for our church, and our purpose to be people of redemption in a broken world. So I pray that those have come out of those moments, but they will lead us to a different place. I pray this message ministers to each of us through the redemptive words of Jesus. So as I began to craft the sermon for this week, I really prayed about our next moment of redemption in continuing our sermon series. But as I was reading to prepare, I was looking at the power of the redemption of Luke chapter 23 and 24. But something kept drawing me back to a verse in Luke 21. Luke 21, 28 says this. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I read these words from Jesus, and then I did what was natural to me. I began to ask, well, who is Jesus talking to? What's going on surrounding the passage? So I backed up a couple more verses, and I read it again. This time starting in verse 25. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken 
And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. I realize it's an unusual location to begin a sermon because the statement from Jesus is in the middle of an ongoing teaching from Jesus. An ongoing teaching from Jesus regarding the end of the world and his return. Now, something you must know about me is that I am not a doomsdayer. I have no intention today of picking the date of Jesus' return which Jesus has already promised in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, that no man knows the hour of the day. But when I read these verses, it woke me up a little bit. And when I read read the phrases in verses 25 through 28, it says, on the earth, distress of nations, people fainting with fear, foreboding of what is coming, meaning something bad's about to happen. Those phrases sounded exactly like the way the world felt around me and maybe some of you this week. Then I knew I had to go back further into the chapter to uncover more of the teaching of Jesus. The promise of the return of Jesus and the hope that we have in redemption through the forgiveness of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I backed all the way up to the beginning of chapter 21. And I want to ask you to do the same with me. Jesus is speaking to his followers, his disciples, at this particular moment in his teaching ministry. Verse 1 of chapter 21 says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Jesus is in the middle of teaching his disciples, and he stops to take notice of these two things, but he gives attention to a poor widow who he speaks of. She is in an act of deliberate obedience and generosity. I love this moment. Jesus is focusing on a woman full of faith. She's trusting in the faithfulness of God. Then the very next interaction we have with Jesus and his disciples occurs as they're walking by the temple in Jerusalem. Now, let me read a description about the temple for you. It's really important for this moment. Jesus and his disciples were going out of the temple when one of them commented about how impressive the building was. By all accounts, one historian equates that it was a magnificent structure. At that time, it had been under construction for almost 50 years. The temple, some of the stones measured over 35 feet long, 12 feet high, and 18 feet wide. The Wailing Wall, which is a part of the foundation, left from that building. Its white marbles rose about 200 feet from the valley. The brilliance of the white walls and the gold trim in the morning sun was dazzling. This quote goes on to say that the courtyard was about 400 by 500 yards square so that thousands of worshipers could gather there. 
the rabbis would say about the temple. He who has not seen the temple in its full construction has never seen a glorious building in all of his life. Now I share that with you because it helps us make sense. It helps us to understand this next moment. The temple is beautiful. It is magnificent. It is the center of religious life. And any devout religious person had a deep-rooted belief that the presence of God resided in the temple. Now, with all that said, let's keep this in mind. Jesus has just given attention to a poor widow giving out of obedience. And then we read this in verse 5. Now, while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things, you will see that the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Picture it with me. They're walking along, having just witnessed the beauty of the faithful widow giving sacrificially, but then they're ooing and aahing over the splendor of Jerusalem and of the temple. And Jesus says, one day, not one of those stones will be sitting upon another. It's all coming down. That had to be unthinkable. How would that ever become, how would that ever be taken apart and destroyed? Why would it ever take place? It's happened before, but how will it happen again? The temple? This is unthinkable. So the questions that come are only natural. Verse 7 says, And they ask him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Now remember from last week and any other time you read a passage of Scripture summarizing the actions or recounting the words of Jesus he never held back and he always caught his listeners by surprise. Here in front of the temple, he would have been standing there. He is going to continue to teach inside the temple and draw crowds. But here in front of the temple, he declares that it will come down. And they, just like any human, would want to know how, when, what signs will come to open our eyes that the time is at hand. In a moment, we'll pick up with our reading in verse 7. But before we do that, let me allow, allow me to set the stage for just a moment. Jesus is going to speak prophetically. Jesus is speaking about something that will take place in the future. Perhaps in their lifetimes, those that he's walking with, but maybe not. The same is true for us. The things that Jesus is about to mention may happen in our lifetime but maybe not. And while they, those walking with Jesus, want to know the time and the place of when things will fall apart, Jesus wants to make sure that no matter what and when it happens, that they're ready to be his disciples. So as we step deeper into this passage, may we read about the things to come but also, let us not lose sight of the reminders that we are going to discover in this passage for our everyday living, even in 2021. I've kind of combined a lot of those in this reminder for us today. Redemption calls the redeemed to live in daily obedience, 
willing to take action, and always trusting the plans of God. Now that's going to be my summary of chapter 21, but let's build it out through the conversation that Jesus is going to have with his disciples. Redemption calls the redeemed to live in daily obedience, willing to take action, and always trusting the plans of God. The purpose of of chapter 21 is not, please hear me, the purpose of this chapter is not to satisfy every curiosity about the end of times. Rather, it is to challenge the disciples to get ready, to live in obedience, and take action and trust the plans of God. Now, there are times we've got to be careful when we get so caught up in studying and, and pondering the end times and the return of Jesus that we forget to live life and pursue the Great Commission every day. How are we, through redemption, to live in obedience, take action, and trust the plans of God? Let's allow chapter 21, through Jesus' words, to guide us. Verse 7. And they ask him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place but the end will not be at once. It's here that we see our first instruction in how to live in obedience, being prepared for action and trusting the plans of God. Verses seven through nine show us the redeemed must be on guard for false teaching. I want to encourage you. As you listen to my preaching, as you follow pastors online, which has been in abundance over the last 17 months, as you pick up items to read, be discerning in your selections. If someone teaches that all faiths believe in the same God, then you need to throw up a caution flag and proceed with caution because that is not what Jesus taught. If someone claims Jesus as only a teacher or prophet, but not a Messiah, a red light should come on. If someone presents themselves as a Messiah or they cannot be questioned or examined, run. If a pastor or a leader, a communicator, an author, if they have a circle around them that decreases in communication, instead of increases, be cautious. Examine things carefully. Always align the words of a teacher and a preacher up against the authority scripture. In these verses, Jesus is not soft. He is not confusing in his wording. He puts the warning of false teachers. He puts the warning of false teachers into the mix with wars and rumors of war. I think that's fairly significant that they're on the same level. The redeemed must be on guard. These were warnings 2,000 years ago, and they are still applicable to us today. The redeemed must also continue to speak of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says this in verse 10 through 11. 
Then he said to them, nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. He continues in verse 12. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Verse 13, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Notice something with me. In the middle of turmoil, in the middle of persecution, and we, we've yet as followers of Christ endured persecution in our country as Christians. We may be facing some inconveniences and limits on sharing our faith in various settings, but we've yet to face what the early church these people experienced. The people listening to Jesus as he preaches these words, without a doubt, some of them would have been mistreated. They would have been abandoned, distanced by their families, possibly killed for their faith. But what is amazing is that the church and the name of Jesus grew under these threats. And in the middle of their persecution, they did exactly what Jesus described in verse 13 the persecution, the upheaval, the uneasiness of the world provided an opportunity to tell about the Redeemer. The redeemed were bold because we believe in the promises. The redeemed are not fearful because the pains of this world are temporary. Listen to the words of Jesus as he continues to challenge his disciples then and us now to use our words to communicate. Verse 14, settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand on how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Jesus even says, don't worry about the exact words. The wisdom of God will go before you. But he also says you will be misunderstood, you'll be betrayed, you'll be hated. And he also says not a hair on your head will perish. How is this possible? The redeemed must continue to speak of the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, but the redeemed must also never lose sight of our promise of eternal life that cannot be impacted by this broken, sinful world. The redeemed must continue to stand on the promises of God's word. Verse 20 begins and says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that it is desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Later on in the chapter in verse 33, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass 
away. We must trust in God's promises as the redeemed. Each day, we wake up and it feels, at least to me, each day we wake up and I, I feel as if the world, in a host of ways, shifts every single day. It shifts away from what it was even just the day before. Politics and policies change. How we communicate changes. Everything seems to shift each day. Jesus sounds the alarm. We should expect it. Know that it's coming. But it's all the more reason to stand upon God's word. When I wake up and the world has changed, the word has remained. When I hear of turmoil, pain, and suffering, the word of God has already said, well, that's coming. When I wrestle with anxiety and doubt, the followers of Jesus Christ have, that have been remembered and recorded in Scripture have as well. And they chose faith. They chose hope. They chose joy. When culture attempts to define my days on this planet, the Word promises my eternity. The Word is a guide. It is a lamp in the darkness. It gives me my path. And when placed in my heart and my mind, God's Word fights battles for me. You see, Jesus outlines the difficulties that would be faced by His followers yet he doesn't leave them without hope. He reminds them to put their trust and stand upon the promises of God. Nothing, nothing going on around you today is a surprise to God. Nothing in front of us is off God's radar. As I talked about my sermon direction with one of our staff members, we talked about how our lives, even Jesus depicts this in his teaching in chapter 21. That our lives as Christians have never been promised, nor will they ever be just this growing mountaintop experience where every day will get easier and better than the day before. Why? Because Jesus told us in this chapter and other places, that's not the case. Our lives, my life, your life is full of highs and lows that come each day and sometimes they come every moment. We experience the, the valleys of our faith that stretch us and grow us and they experience the mountaintops in the journey. Yet when the highs and lows ebb and flow, our relationship to the Redeemer is steady and strong and it is there for us to put our trust in, to trust in the Word of God. Don't simply claim God's word as an authority, but claim it as applicable for your daily life. But one more way for us to take action. The redeemed must keep our eyes on Jesus. Verse 25, And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth, distress of the nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is to come in the world. For the powers of heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. We walk through this journey in Luke 21. And while Jesus is teaching about the things to come, there are also lessons to prepare us for the here and now, even in 2021. But we all come back around to where we started. That verse that grabbed my attention. Now when these things, verse 28, now, when these things began to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. The reality is all signs around us are pointing to the truth that the return of Jesus Christ is near. Keep our heads up, be on the lookout. But this passage also reminds us something very unique about those who have said, I and acknowledged, I need a redeemer, Jesus Christ. Here's what's unique for us. We get to live through tragedy, through difficulty, as people who know that there's something better on the other side of this life. We are people who know that even in the moments that we cannot lift up our eyes, that we are weary and cannot lift up our heads, that in our eternity, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and He will lift up our head. So I don't know about you, but this week I needed a dose of encouragement about who I am as the redeemed. I pray God's word has encouraged you reminded you, given you warnings and promise, outlined even the difficulties, but also our hope. Chapter 21 speaks of redemption to come, but it also shows us how to protect ourselves and how to take action as followers of Jesus. But if I may, I want to close with this thought. There is without a doubt, there are without a doubt tensions and turmoil. And the tensions and the turmoil that we face are very real. They're heavy, they're taxing, they're wearisome. But what we learn from Jesus himself in this passage is that when we face those trials and difficulties, they're not intended to overthrow our faith, but deepen it. The turmoil is to lead us to tenacity in our trust of God. The upheaval Jesus promised in Jerusalem applies to the chaos of our world today. And if we stay in his word and our relationship, it deepens our trust in God and it is steady and it is unchanging. And while we wait on the return of Jesus, we are never advised to sit in a spiritual corner and simply calculate the days away until he returns. The opposite is true. Redemption calls the redeemed to live in daily obedience, willing to take action, and always trusting the plans of God. Now these instructions of chapter 21, the guidance in these words are for those who follow Jesus, those who believe in Him as the Redeemer. 
And so it leads me to ask again, do you have a relationship with the Redeemer, Jesus Christ? A relationship to God through the forgiveness of your sins. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you can have a relationship with the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. You, each of us, can have a relationship with the Redeemer that promises eternal life and the grace for your daily life. If you have not trusted the Redeemer today, then make today the day to trust in Him, to trust in His hope, His grace, and His promise of eternity. May we be people of obedience and action and faith. Let's pray together. God, we live in a world that is full of tragedy and turmoil and brokenness and sin. Those realities can leave us weary and tired and lonely and fighting an uphill battle. But those moments are not a surprise, according to Luke 21. And so God, I pray that this chapter will help each of us who claim to be followers of Jesus to be bold, to deepen our faith, to be able to, to stand up straight, to look ahead, to trust in God. God, may we be people who do not simply sit in a corner and count the days away, but as we are waiting, we are people who speak the truth of Jesus, who trust in the word of God, who act in obedience, who take action. And people who trust in you. Thank you for those reminders from me. I pray that it's communicated in such a way that is clear to those that are watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We will continue our series on the stories of redemption next Sunday.